I'm going to just read this one prophetic word because there's a, there's a word that resonates from several of these things that have just been said uh, into this moment. Man, Lord, I really want to preach that, but I don't think I'm going to get to, am I? This was a prophetic word that was released for 2023. It's a year of shifting into fullness. And this is, this is what it says. It's time to grab it all. What are you holding back for? What are you waiting for? I'm not going to preach tonight. Good God. Don't be so polite that you leave your blessing behind. There is a time to pull on the hem of his garment, but now, everybody shout now. Now is the time where you will walk with his garment among you. You're a child of God and this is your inheritance. It is a new season. You're going from crying to courage. You're no longer, I'm, I'm, I'm inserting something here. You're no longer carrying the grave clothes, you're carrying the praise clothes. I, I know a lot's been directed toward me in this service, but I'm not here for Scott, I'm here for the King. There's only one mission that I have in my spirit that is worth even considering in any atomic type level you could even consider something and that is the mission of my master. Nothing else matters. Eternity is one breath away. It is one breath away from stepping into a temporary existence into stepping into the eternal existence. One breath. That's it. Read the prophecy. From crying to courage, it is time for the people of God, for the sons and daughters of the Lion of the tribe of Judah to longer, no longer sit back intimidated in fear in a crying mechanism, in a broken soul. It is time for us to be restored and be made whole so we can take the wholeness of this master into the world that we live in that is so broken. It is absolutely broken. I'm not against people that are struggling with sin. I'm not against the false identities that the enemy is trying to perpetrate on a generation. They're seeking identity. and They just hadn't found the right person yet. But if we don't go into a place of courage to show them who the right person is, to demonstrate before them what he's done for us, he'll do for them. They'll stay in deception. Oh, that's the next thing. Pull up. My phone got tired. There we go. It's a new season. You're going from crying to courage, from deception to deliverance. That just puts a dance in me. I'm sorry. You're going from deception to deliverance. 
and walking in freedom from any of last season's residue. See how these words all just stacked up together? The axe to the root. What you shared, point to everybody that shared. The axe is being laid to the root so that you can move from deception to deliverance and walking in freedom from any of last season's residue. Whether you're carrying the residue from your childhood or you're carrying the residue from a a bad marriage or you're carrying the residue of kids that have gone crazy or you're carrying the residue of a financial uh, bankruptcy, whether you're carrying the residue of of a sin that just keeps the shame of it, it's continuing to, to cause the odor of its of its negativism to remain on your life you're being delivered from that and being set free from the season of last from last season's residue from fear to the front line from fear to the front line from fear to the front line I'm going to keep saying it a little bit because I'm not here to, I'm not here to preach you a pretty poem, three-point message today. From fear to the front line. We are not, we are not the sit-back-in-the-camp military any longer. We are the army of the Lord, and we're on the front line. We're, we're the, the guy, forget his name, that Andrew Garfield played the, the, the part of in that military movie. I don't remember the name of it. He was the medic. Hacksaw Ridge. I'm not saying you need to watch it because it's a really gory movie. But I watched it. I wept through the whole thing. Because a young man who had a conviction he could never carry a gun was willing to go to war and save the ones who were and take bullets and flying missiles and grenades blowing up all around him and and saved over 70 men. Over 70 men when the platoon pulled out and he went back into that battlefield, he could hear their groans, he could hear their crying, he could hear their sighing, and he pressed from fear back into the front line. I don't care. I don't care what the naysayers are saying in our society. It doesn't matter to me what the court systems say. It doesn't matter to me what people will march and and protest against. That has nothing to do with my mission. My mission is to be a frontline medic and military person in the army of God serving my king who is also my father and beginning to advance his agenda into the society we live in and into the lives of people that are being held captive by the enemy. The Holy Spirit will define you. Let me read that one again. The Holy Spirit will define you. This is a prophetic word. I'm not just reading something somebody preached. Chuck Pierce is the one who shared this. The Holy Spirit will define you. Allow Him to sharpen you and fill any area of dryness and fill you up. Allow Him to take you from empty to full. He will dust off the dullness and shine you up. This is your time to shine. But in order to shine, you got to get the dust off. That's the residue. And, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, here again, guys, I, if you're a visitor today, come back when they've got a good preacher up here, okay? That'll be next Sunday when this guy's ministering. 
I'm just here on a mission. It may be a little different than you've seen before. It may, it may be a little awkward to you, some of the way I respond. I'm just practicing for where I'm going. <laughs> it's not quiet in heaven, guys. And my sweetheart of 47 years has stepped into that realm, worshiping God in ways she's never worshiped him before. Wow. But if you're carrying residue in your life, if you got some junk on you, it doesn't necessarily have to be sin. Sin's simply missing the mark. You're carrying fear. You might be carrying anxiety. You might be carrying worry. I'm going to name them frustration, <laughs> brokenness. hurt, sorrow, grief. This is the end. You got your eyes closed, but I'm pointing at you. This is the end. I'm not saying I'm not Superman, but I serve him. And he's faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> I told my pastor this when Ellen went home to be with the Lord. I told him, I said, I will allow myself to heal. I will not cover up the pain. But I am not getting off the foundation of peace. Because peace is what's healing my pain. And the other thing I told him is this, I will not allow ungodly grief to overwhelm me. That's from a different kingdom than the kingdom of my father. And some of y'all are still carrying sorrow over things that happened years and years ago. And God wants to liberate you from it today. That's a residue. Doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. It's just slowing you down in your pace on earth. Some of you, yeah, I'll say that one. Some of you feel like you've, you've missed God in the past and he can never put you back on point. That you missed your moment for the assignment. Don't you think the God of the assignment is able to position you even if you've missed it for 40 decades and reinsert you to where you do more in the last days of your life than you ever would have done in the first days of your life? Oh, wow. That's the kind of God we serve. You sharing what you did earlier about the people that you're ministering to in the incarcerated uh, arena, and, and they've, they've, they've messed up in life, and some of them feel so hopeless and helpless, and how will my life ever be put back together? They've just not met the one who can put them back together yet, and you're introducing them to him. So he puts them back together and they step into a course of life that they could have never experienced had they never found him. Oh, wow. This may sound strange. I'm just, I'm just kind of zeroing in on some things he's trying to show me right now just to help pinpoint maybe where you are. If you're carrying residue, You got some dust on your life. 
from past experiences, whether you caused them or you didn't. It doesn't matter who was at fault. It matters you being healed. Stepping into deliverance from the thing that has tethered you to a past that you do not have to stay a prison to. If that's you, this is the hard part. Are you willing to let him minister to you today in such a way that you'll walk out of this place with a freedom that you hadn't known? Hey, might have happened yesterday in 12 hours or a freedom you may not have known in 12 years. Will you say yes to the hands of the master? Taking the dust and removing it from your life and bringing you into his fullness, bringing you into his overcoming life. If you'll say yes, I saw that. That's so cool. I don't see very often. I usually hear. And I just saw one of those old dust, what do you, dust thing? Dusters. Duster, help me out. I'm an old man. I saw one of those big old, old dusters. You know, Swiffers, they're not big enough. They don't count. Just one of those big old dusters I used to have made out of feathers and all that kind of stuff. I just, I just saw just a big old duster just come. That's it. Because that's all it takes with him. If you'll say yes. If you'll say yes. If that's you, we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? So why don't you just get up and come up here. Some of y'all, if you don't come up here, I might come get you. Because I can see the dust on you. Come on, right there. You stand right there. Help make the line. And y'all just line up on both sides of Kim. If you don't know Kim, that's Kim. You got to meet Kim just now. I said, boy, this is different for church. Jesus was kind of different too. <laughs> got him crucified. <laughs> Praise God. Wow. I didn't realize this many of you guys would come up here. Thank you. Thank you for responding to Daddy. You know, I could actually stand in on my own prayer line. <laughs> the residue I'm, I'm, that I, I have to deal with many times is that residue. Oh, he wants me to say it. I'm telling on myself because somebody needs to hear this, is the residue of shame. The residue of shame is a torturous, torturous evil spirit. It is so demonic. It'll rip your soul out if you leave it. It's a horrible taskmaster. It's unrelenting. It never quits barking in your ear. And the, the very thing he's barking in our ear, I'm not saying this as you guys. I'm just talking to you because I like you. <laughs> the very thing that he barks in our ear shaming us with the very thing that Jesus hung on a cross to wash out of our life. Wow. Failure, mess ups. I call them hiccups. 
Sometimes they're outright strokes, spiritual strokes, heart attacks spiritually. Now, I know some of y'all are probably in the prayer team because in administrating a moment like this, I want to tell the two of you something before I start ministering here. The Lord had me give a word to a pastor in January who had just gone through a horrific ordeal in his church. Got removed from the pastorship. And it was not gently done. And uh, he came and heard me in Liberty, Texas preaching. He wanted to come over. He's from South Louisiana. He wanted to come over and just be out of town that weekend. And his whole family came over. Uh, and the Lord had given me a word for him when I was driving down to Liberty from Texarkana. And this is the only thing he told me, and it's the only thing I told him. Nothing has changed. Because we have such a tendency to look at what we're going through and the whirlwinds of life, and we think, oh, God, the callings changed, the, uh, the anointings changed, the assignments changed. And, and, and I, I knew with this particular minister, I knew there were some struggles going on there because the Lord showed me that. And I, and I just declared those words over him and said, and I'll say his first name. It doesn't matter because you can go back and watch it on this particular church I was at. Jack, the Spirit of God told me nothing has changed. Just because there was alterations that looked like we're in his assignment, it did not change his assignment. And the Spirit of God told me to tell the two of you today, nothing has changed. It's still intact. It's still as real as it's ever been. It may, it may not look like it used to look, but it's still there inside you. I'm looking, come here, come here. Uh, yeah, come, come here, York. <laughs> Lay hands on her right there, right there. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Write it in your Bible. Somebody wrote it in their Bible that day when I gave that pastor that word. And they sent it to me on messenger when Ellen went home. I was prophesying to myself and didn't even know it. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And what I'm saying over this couple, I'm saying over every single person in this line, nothing has changed. God did not change his mind about you. He did not change his purpose about you. And he did not change how he sees you. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Y'all stay there for a few more minutes. You can come get back in line now because you're up here to get ministered to as well. I need some of the prayer team. If you're in the line and you're part of the prayer team in this house, then you need to get out of the line and you get ministered to later. Because if you'll give it, you'll receive it. I'm going to say that one again. If you'll release it, you'll receive it. And just begin to pray over these folks. Just begin to pray over them. Lay hands on them and pray over them. Say, what is this laying on hand stuff? It's a point of contact and transfer. The presence of God in their life is moving into your life. We're going from crying to courage, from deception to deliverance. 
and walking in freedom from any of last season's residue, from fear to the front line, and you're being filled up to the overflow. 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 Now, y'all can, can go right back into worship if you want to, Brent.
Isn't it interesting how the Lord works? It's how he loves us. That's how he wants to care for us. He wants to dust us off. He wants to clean us up. He wants to put us back on the front line where we belong. This is so good. So many hurts, so many things that we're carrying that we don't need to are just put aside and allow us to focus on him, and that's what this is about. I mean, some ministries were rekindled here this morning, and we're not even finished. It's so good. Scott's going to come back up and finish up what he started. We're excited for what the Lord's going to do. Scott, thank you, sir, for blessing us this morning and continue to bless and lead us by the Spirit this morning. Thank you, Father. Wow, isn't God good? Praise and worship team. Praise and worship team. I, I didn't know if I was in, in, in Redding, California, or if I was in Kansas City or Dallas. I, I, I was trying to figure out which, which place I was. I couldn't figure out if it was Red Rocks and Denver. Or, wow. Man, y'all have got to, I'm telling you, you just don't know how blessed you are. Maybe you do. I hope you do. Wow. Yeah, give them a hand. Give an honor to whom honors do. Wow. That was just, whew. oh, I could, we could have just kept doing that for the rest of the time frame. And I know I need to be a little diligent here because we have to be out by a certain time. I guess we could go out in the parking lot. It's a little bit cool, but other than that, we just all huddle up. <laughs> Praise God. It's so good to see all you guys today. Ron, thank you for coming up uh, from Mexico and being with us in this service today. Ron and his wife, Anna, uh, are the directors and founders of Whitestone Ministries, which is a ministry for children that are orphans in uh, Mexico. And the Mexican government keeps trying to give more kids to them, and they just need more help to take care of them and uh, expanded facilities. And I just want to encourage you today, you know, if you sense a, a draw toward uh, Mexico or, or anything of that nature, want to plant a seed in uh, the foreign lands of the earth, that's a great ministry right there to sow into. And uh, I just want to encourage you, he can tell you how you need to do it, who you may go and make a check out and make a check out to whatever he says and probably Whitestone Ministries. And uh, you may have electronic giving as well. I think that's probably how my wife set it up. It's a good thing. Hopefully it's recurring because I don't know how to get into any of that stuff. <laughs> John just came up to me in, in the back, and he said, now, if you need any help electronically or anything like that, he said, now, the bookkeeping, he said, you'll get audited. <laughs> you don't want me for the bookkeeping, but you need help. And other, I said, well, considering I don't even know my wife's password to her computer, you may come in real handy here before long <laughs> once I get my hands on it. Uh, I, let, let me just give you a, 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 I don't know what all you may know, and I know how minds can work. I want you to be able to listen to the, rest of the service and not be distracted by wonder what happened and what this and that and the other. Ellen would, had gone down to uh, Guatemala in the, to, in the Patin region, which is a very underdeveloped part of Guatemala, uh, where her sister and brother-in-law live. And uh, they built a house there last year, moved into it last year. 
uh, didn't get to enjoy it too long, but uh, they, that was home to them. They were planned on living there the rest of their lives in Guatemala, doing mission work, especially with the Kachi Indian tribe uh, that's there, descendants of the Mayans, if I'm not mistaken, very, very primitive uh, society that's there. And uh, she went down and spent some time with them, did, certainly did some ministry as well. In fact, the last one of the last three pictures she, she sent me was the Sunday before the Monday, and she's standing beside the pastor that she preached for that, that, that Sunday morning. And that was just so cool to me. You know, how, how can we regret when somebody goes out with their boots on? You know, I'm in a little bit of cowboy culture here. You know, y'all understand a little of that dynamic. You know, cowboys say they're going to go out in the saddle or they're going to go out with their boots on. And, and she, she went out from this existence into her eternal existence with her boots on. Praise God. Can't, can't quite get upset about that too much. And, uh, but uh, I, I've sensed, you know, I've told people this, and this house I know has prayed for me and diligently covered me, and that's been the one thing that the prayer team actually said earlier as they were praying over me then. Uh, Dave, I think, was praying that at that moment in time, that I had asked for the covering. You know, people say, you know, do you need finances? Do you need this? Do you need that? And yada, yada, yada. And I said, I said right now the main thing I need is the covering. I'm telling you, the covering is a vital aspect. If you don't believe that, you need to look at marriage relationship. Marriage is a joint covering. It's not just the covering that the man brings to the woman and her, the family, even though that is very important. It is also the covering they provide to one another and their family. And covering is, is, a, is a very strong uh, element of the kingdom of God operating in the earth. And I have literally, I can say this in an unqualified way, I have literally sensed tangibly the covering of God through the prayers of his people. And from the depths of my heart, I thank you for that. It has enabled me to be able to stand in this place today, whereas I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. And I thank God for it. It's enabled me to stay at home and be in a house with a little less activity in it than it used to have and not be sad and not feel alone. I'm never alone. Doesn't mean I don't miss her, but I'm never alone. Wow. And I'm not lonely. Because how can you be lonely if you're not alone? Praise God. So anyway, I, I do want to thank y'all so much for that. And, and certainly, uh, I don't know if biblically you can covet, but I've said it, so I'm going to say it again. Covet your continued covering uh, through, the, through the days and the weeks and the months ahead where there will be transitions still occurring. Uh, somebody spoke over me, uh, I think it was in prayer uh, earlier. I've had so many people speak over me, I forget sometimes where I've heard it. But, but they, they released a word that I've heard before, it was here today, that uh, there's transition, but at the same time there's going to be a new elevation in, in the ministry call and the assignment. And I've embraced that, and I'm just exploring that and allowing God to reveal it as I walk this out. And it's a, you know, you know, we were married nearly 47 years. May 29th would have been 47 years. And I'm just saying, 
we celebrate 50 years because we knew each other before then. We're in love, dating, and then engaged for a year and a half. I don't recommend that. <coughs> you need to laugh. You don't, you don't get engaged for a year and a half. That's, not, that's dumb, dumb, dumb. Get, a, get engaged for six weeks. <laughs> no, in six months, no, no, that's no good either. Six weeks, maybe six days. <laughs> Just get engaged and go get married and do a marriage celebration later, you know. But uh, 50 years we've been together and uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful life. Uh, one of the things that y'all, uh, hopefully you'll find this humorous, I do. So if you don't laugh, I will. <laughs> See, I've got you captive. Because what can you say? I mean, you can't be too critical. <laughs> the guy's wife just went to heaven. <laughs> what are you going to do? Dear God, y'all don't need to ever have him back. Yeah, but you got to understand where he is right now. <laughs> I'm getting away from them. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, this is Fireworks Church. And one of the first things I saw posted on Facebook, and I thought this was, it was cute, even though I'm thinking, boy, that's, that's true. Those, how many of y'all have, knew Ellen? You met Ellen before. Raise your hand. Because there's a few of you that haven't. Okay. Well, this is called Fireworks Church. Well, somebody put a tribute to her on Facebook. In fact, more than one person did. I probably were copying what somebody else said. They said, she was a firecracker preacher. So she fit well here. Fireworks Church with a firecracker preacher. And, and this, is, this is something I've said about her, and I think I know I've shared this since I've been here with some that I've been with. When, when she pointed that long, bony, prophetic finger at you, you could be, she could be standing right here and touch Chris on the end of his nose with that finger from here. <laughs> so y'all pray I don't get that long, bony finger, Okay. Praise God. Father, we thank you and praise you for your presence that is just liberated and freed. And God, thank you. You did what you do. Wow. We can't ask for anything more than that. And I, and I thank you, Father, for the remainder of this time frame that the family here has together that will tap into some succinct things that you want to say that begins to propel us, Father God, into a greater dimension of knowing you walking with you, and demonstrating your life in this earth existence. And Father, we just give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, uh, I'm going re to read this scripture to you, and this may be the only one I get to, and this doesn't deal with the topic today. But boy, I just he stirred me several times toward this. I read this at her celebration of life service. And I read it out of the message translation, so it's going to sound a little different than King Jimmy does. It's 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to start in verse 51. It says, But let me tell you something wonderful. Oh, dear God. A mystery I'll probably never fully understand. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing who wrote over half of the New Testament, who had the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Every letter he wrote spoke of that particular revelation because that is the foundation for your life in walking in the Spirit. You have to know Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. Come on, guys, get your eyes off this temporal life and and off the stuff of this temporal life and all the existence of this temporal life and get it on the eternal life because it's from that life we can reproduce his kingdom in this life and represent what the third heaven looks like. But we are all going to be changed. You hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet. And in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves. Woo! I won't won't say what I'm thinking. He's going to let me just enjoy that thought. The dead will be up and out of their graves, beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment and in the same way, we will all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable, taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. The mart- this mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true, death swallowed by triumphant life. This is what I like. I'm going to take a little theological liberty here with one word. I'll tell you what the word is, and then I'll take my theological liberty. Death swallowed up by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O devil, O death? Who got the last laugh? That's my word I'm inserting there. Who got the last word? Who got the last laugh, O death? See, what, what Ron shared earlier is exactly what the Spirit of the Lord started dealing with me, with me with as soon as I got over some of the initial few hours of just the, the, the separation moment. What the enemy planned for evil, he will regret the day, because it wasn't just Ellen, it was also her sister and her brother-in-law. He was the pilot of the plane. What he did was plant three seeds that will not just produce a tree, but they're going to produce an orchard. Their lives will be replicated over and over and over and over again in the scheme of the eternal aspect of the assignment on their life now being distributed over all those that were connected with them. That includes you. Death swallowed up by triumphant life. Who got the last laugh, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of the Master, Jesus Christ. See, that, that residue gets dusted off. Thank God, with all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. This is, my, this is my commission to you. With all this going on, my dear friends, stand your ground. Be immovable. I'm, I'm inserting here now. Be immovable, unshakable. Having done all to stand, stand. Stand your ground. 
Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. See, we're, we're, in a, we're in a place right now. I, I, was, I was privileged. Uh, Robert and Arlene took me yesterday to see that movie, uh, Jesus Revolution. I hadn't seen it yet, and I was going to go see it, so they just took me to see it. And I was part of that moment. That's, I'm dating myself here a little bit now. But I was, I was a product of, of that moment. The Jesus Revolution, even though I kind of came in age-wise at the tail end of it, you know, we were, we were pretend hippies. We weren't the real thing, not where I grew up. I grew up in Saratoga, Texas. We just pretended to be hippies. I couldn't even let my hair grow that long because my mom and dad wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> let my lamb chops grow real big, though. And uh, I wore Nehru shirts because I thought I looked cool. I looked like a, a Hindu priest with one of them I wore because it was solid white with gold embroidery around the collar. Can y'all imagine? I look cool. Y'all are laughing. What are y'all laughing about? That was in style if you're over 60 at that time frame. <laughs> Bertie remembers. Martha, Martha was living for God too much then. She doesn't remember all that time frame. And uh, uh, I had bell-bottom jeans. And I was 6'3 then. Because I had platform shoes. I also had sandals so I could pretend to be a hippie. <laughs> but but I, was, I, I came in during that time frame in a youth revival that happened in Saratoga, Texas when I was 15 years old. And about half, now we weren't a very big school. My graduating class had 33 people in it. But over half of our school got born again that week in that revival at First Baptist Church, Saratoga, Texas. And we, we encountered God. We just didn't pray a prayer. We just didn't give verbiage that somebody put in our mouth. We encountered the presence. I'd never cried that hard in all my life, and I went to people that were bullies to me, that were sitting in the congregation. And, and I'm thinking, they're going to knock me down to the ground here in a minute because they were bigger than me. And, and I went up beside this one guy, and of course, there were pews back in those days. They didn't have chairs. They had pews. And he was sitting on the very end, and he had his head down. His name was Delbert Whiteside. I'll never forget this. And I knelt down beside him at the end of that pew, and this guy did not like me. He did not like me. I don't know why. I was such a likable guy. And, and, and I said, Delbert, I know we don't get along. But Delbert, I've got to introduce you to the Jesus that just came into my life. And he looked at me and tears were streaming down his face. And he said, Scott, call me Scott, not idiot or whatever he used to call me. He said, Scott, I just met him. And that happened in, in, in our, it, it went like a wildfire through our school system until some parents shut it down. 
The reason I'm sharing that with you is because God is doing something right here in Bernie, Texas. And he's doing something right here in Fireworks Church. He's starting a lot of fire under these young ladies and under these young men's lives. That they're going to be unafraid and unashamed of this Jesus that they encounter. And they're going to take this Jesus into the world they live in. And you're going to see a revival of such unprecedented proportions hit this region that it's going to amaze you when you remember what this preacher said said today and it's not just because I'm saying it even though that's a part of it it is because I'm seeing it and you're seeing it and you're starting to believe it and we're seeing it at Asbury we're seeing it at Samford we sit on the campus of a secular university called Texas A&M and if God can crack the egg in the societies where academia is considered God God's going to bring a revival in this generation that's going to be unprecedented in any generation before it They said of the Jesus Revolution, and actually that was the precursor to the charismatic renewal. They said of that moment in time, it was the greatest awakening that had ever occurred in the United States of America. We are walking into right now the third great awakening that shall usher in what I just read about, a trumpet blasting and the dead in Christ rising and we that remain be caught up and meet them in the air. But there's going to be a whole bunch more that's going to be ready to be caught up before he comes. I don't want these young young kids. Y'all are kids to me, sorry. I know you're adults, young adults. I don't want these young adults to be bridled by my lid. I want them to blast through the lid that I may have put on them and begin to do these exploits of the kingdom of God. But there's only one way that'll happen. He did get me there, and I've got 15 minutes to share it. He gave me a word back in December. By the way, Chris, thank you for reading one of my scriptures today. <laughs> I started to say everybody turn to Jeremiah 29 because we're going to go there in a minute if we have time. He gave me a word back in December. We were in Colorado for Christmas with our daughter and her family. And uh, her family, oh, oh God, her family. I have to work out for three weeks before I go to see them so I can just have enough breath to keep up with these kids. Two 10-year-olds, two 8-year-olds. They're not twins. It's blended family. And uh, <laughs> about two or three days, I'm always thinking about the Lord. You know, Paul said pray without ceasing. You know, it's kind of hard to do that. But then prayer is not just asking God for stuff. Prayer is just talking to God and Him talking to you. And, uh, you know, I'm always thinking toward Him. But I needed a few moments alone. <laughs> so that morning I said, Ellen, you go on up. They have a three-level home. And uh, we're down in the basement, which I like because it's surrounded by concrete. I know it's stable. The rest of the house, I don't know with those kids running around it. And uh, I said, uh, you go on up. I'll be up in a minute. I just want to spend 10 or 15 minutes with the Lord in quiet. Well, it wasn't quiet. I had to turn my music on so I didn't hear the herd of buffalo running on the first floor. <coughs> or elk. It might have been elk because they have elk in their neighborhood. And uh, 
I'm, I'm, I just, normally I don't kneel. I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's just not my posture. Normally I'm sitting behind a stool and we're praying because I drive so many places. Uh, or I walk. And walking there would have been, I would have had less room to walk in that room than what I've walked here. So I just knelt beside the bed, turned my music on and listened to worship music and just spending some time with the Lord. Just praying in the Spirit. Just thanking Him for my family and what he did bringing Christ into the earth in that season of time and what he would do through the day. Just, just loving on him, letting him love on me. It's pretty simple. And then I said, now, Lord, you know, we're about to go into a new year here. And all those preachers like to get the word for the year. <laughs> you know I'm not quite as dogmatic about that as some guys are, and I'm not looking for a cute cliche, you know, breaking free in 23. Well, that's true. I don't discount that, but I didn't want just a, the cute cliche. I've used them before. I'm not being critical of them. That's just was my mode of thought at that moment. And anyway, I'm, I'm talking to him, and I'm saying, you know, is, is there an emphasis? Is there something different than what we've been in this year that you want me to begin to pursue or say? And if there's not, we just stay with the course. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Stay with your last instruction. Hello? And he spoke as clear as I'm speaking on this microphone right now. He said, it is time for hunger to supersede hesitation. Now, that doesn't sound like an earth-shaking, dear God, here comes heaven verbiage. But if we want to have an earth-shaking, here-comes-heaven verbiage, that statement must become our reality. It's our, what did we use in COVID? Our new normal. Our hunger must supersede our hesitation. And anyone on just give me one more sentence. And he says, when that begins to happen... Portals in the realm of the Spirit will open up and you will begin to experience supernatural harvest. Because harvest doesn't come just because we carry a sickle in our hand. Harvest comes because we know the one who's receiving it. And then we know our place to go out into the harvest and what we're to do with that sickle. And we don't cut people to pieces with the sickle just because we feel we got a mandate to reach the laws. We go and reach the laws because we have a mandate from the heart of our daddy. And that scripture, which I'll go ahead and read it real quick. I've got a couple I need to read to you because I want to give you the word on this. Jeremiah 29. Somebody say, somebody say something. Thank you. Y'all got too quiet on me there for a sudden, all of a sudden. Jeremiah 29, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in verse 11. I won't read 10, but we'll just start in 11. For I know the thoughts and plans that I think towards you, says the Lord. I love that scripture right there. God thinks them. But you got to say them. Thoughts of peace, I'm going to leave that one alone and let somebody else preach it again in this house. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and, I, and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And this is the verse I want to focus on. And you will seek me and find me. Everybody say find me. 
when you search for me with what? All your heart. I'm going to give you another scripture real quick. It's John 7, 37 and 38, maybe 39. Uh, it says, and y'all have heard me quote this scripture in this church before. And Jesus stood up on the last and great day of the feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacle or Booze. And I'm going to get into all the story of that. Uh, because there's so much in that historically that's so cool. But he said, uh, he said uh, if anybody's thirsty, he shouted this out. Let me get off of Is anybody thirsty? See, thirst is a condition of your physical body that if it doesn't get something, it will cease to function. You can go three to four days without water before you die. You can go 40 days or so, depending on some of us like me that might have a little more cushion than that. I might go 50. I might make 50 days without food. But your body begins to crave it, and you'll do anything to get it. So, oh, yeah, yeah. That, but that was so brought out in that movie yesterday. It was so cool. The, the guy that played Lonnie Frisbee, the guy that plays Jesus on The Chosen, for those of you who have seen The Chosen. He made a comment that I've been saying for years, and it was so good to hear Hollywood put it on the screen. For Christians to hear it. It doesn't bother, let me rephrase that. It doesn't frighten me that kids are, are, are pursuing sexual identity that is outside of their biological gender. It doesn't bother me that, that kids are experimenting with drugs and alcohol and that kind of stuff. Oh, it bothers me a little bit. Don't, don't misunderstand. Stay with the context of what I'm saying here. Because we say they're all going to hell and they'll never make it and they're going to mess up their life. And some of them do. I understand that. But, but what I see in that is exactly what Lonnie saw. He saw empty kids searching for a God who could fill them up. And that was the only way they knew to try how to find him was through LSD and getting on a high. And it doesn't, some preachers say, well, I don't like all the Marvel movies and Thor. And, you know, I, I say I love Thor because that's my resurrected body right there. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have long blonde hair, and I'm going to be 6'3 and look just like him. Woo! See, I got that picture already. I start strutting around like I do now, and y'all are going, nope, old man, you don't right now. <laughs> but Thor and Superman and, you know, all these, all these different cartoon characters, that's all they are is cartoon characters. I used to read the comic books when I was a kid. And we think, oh, that they don't need to see that kind of stuff. It's going to divert them from God. Are you kidding me? They're watching it because they're looking for a Messiah. The heart of every person on this planet is longing for a Savior. And they seek for it in so many different dimensions. But if we'll be there for them, they'll find the right one. Wow. And trust me, I'm not giving carte blanche to... Go indulge yourself in all that stuff because you found him. <laughs> you don't need Spider-Man. You got the man who made the spider. You don't need the God of thunder. You serve the one who made it. <laughs> Woo! He doesn't call on it. He created it. 
But it doesn't, and it hurts my heart that some of these kids are doing some of the things they're doing in the transgender area and and just being sexually promiscuous and opening themselves up to things that later on are going to be detriments to them. I understand that. But all that is is a search for who they are, and they'll never find it in any of that. And if we're there, we can present the real. If we love them while they're a little less lovable. Oh, it's easy to love people when they're all hoochie-cooing with you, giving you the hug back and really glad I appreciate you being in my life. But it's those, those that kind of, oh, let go of me. I don't want you talking to me. And we just keep coming back to them and presenting the love of Jesus Christ. And we keep coming back to them. That coworker. uh-oh. See, I'm messing with you now. That coworker that just, my, my wife worked, now, now, let, me, let me give you an illustration of this, back in the whew, late 70s, early 80s. She was a labor and delivery nurse at uh, Pasadena Bayshore Hospital in Houston area. And uh, she had a head nurse whose, whose husband was Dick Truly, who was one of the pilots for the Challenger mission. He, he was an astronaut. And... Uh, this lady's very well educated, uh, battle axe of a, of a head nurse. I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. She's very, very focused and good at what she did. But she literally got up on a table in the break room one day, pointed her finger up in the sky, and says, I dare God to strike me with lightning. And she told my wife one time, she, she looked at her and she said, said, if Jesus Christ were to knock on my door when I get home today and offer me salvation, I'd spit in his face and tell him to go to hell. I would dare say most of you have never encountered anyone quite that demonstrative against Christianity. She worked in that. They scheduled her nearly every weekend so she couldn't come to church. And I was, I'd just gone on staff at a church in the Houston area, and she knew, she knew she needed to be there with me. So she turned in a resignation. She went into Cody's office. That's her name. And she said, Cody, I'm just going to let you know I'm resigning. Uh, you work me every Sunday, and, and you know I'm a Christian. I don't get to go to church. My husband's on staff at this church, and I feel like I need to be, be there with him on a very, very consistent basis. So I need to turn in my resignation and, you know, do what I need to do. And, and, and the lady looked at her. Tears started coming down her face. Now, now, now guys, what, how we respond to people is really critical. Because if my wife had gotten in her face like she'd gotten... Ellen's face, this moment would not have happened. She would have said, well, thank you for working with us. It's been good having you. Tears started coming down her face. She said, you've been one of the best nurses I've ever had in my unit. And said, I know I've given you a hard time. Said, all I ask you to do, would you please please pray for me? See, we have entrances if we have created atmospheres. Oh, I've never said that. I like that one. Somebody write that down for me. (laughs) Ellen's not here to write them down for me. I used to tell her, write that down, baby, write that down, because I forget it. Entrances produce atmospheres. And if we don't have the right entrance in a person's life, we can't produce the right atmosphere in their life. And we should be the one affecting the atmosphere, not them. I used to work, I'm, I'm telling too many stories. 
I, I am going to finish John 7, then I'm going to quit. I used to work at the public grain elevators in Houston, Texas, at the Port of Houston. Summer job, between semesters. Armpit job on the planet. I, I can't even begin to tell you how nasty that job was. I'd go home every day, and the first thing I'd do, we lived in a small apartment complex in the North Shore area, and uh, first thing I'd do is take off my shirt, take off my boots and socks, and jump into the pool with my pants on because I was covered in so much grain dust when I came up out of the pool from taking the first dive, you could see the skim on top of the water. Nobody else swam in the pool, so it didn't matter. <laughs> that was my personal pool. <laughs> Armpit job of the world. And here I am, a 20-year-old, been baptized in the Spirit and the overflow of God for maybe two years, three max. And, you know, I didn't know squat. And you young ladies... You, I, how old are you? You're 16. Oh, wow. See, I was going to put you at 20. You know, I was, I know, but she carries the maturity of a 20-year-old. <laughs> I know you still carry your taser. <laughs> that's okay. Still carry your taser. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Probably if I asked, somebody's in here packing so we could help you out there too, and you could be one that. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Some of y'all thinking, you are a weird, weird pre preacher. I, I was a little older than you. And here you are walking in things now at 16 that I even had yet to experience when I was 20. But I, I knew this. I was there to make some money to live on for the rest of the year because Ellen and I had just got married. And I, and I knew I was there for a mission because I felt like anywhere I went was my mission field. The first mission field was playing football at Lamar University, and, and that was my mission field. And then it shifted to the grain elevator, and then it shifted to the bus ministry, bringing 60 to 80 snotty-nosed kids to church every Sunday that lived in the dead-end streets of the Channel View area where chickens were running in and out of their house. And their moms were sitting in the front yard beating black and blue by the boyfriend they had. Got mighty quiet in this Presbyterian church all of a sudden. See, see, there's a world out there that some of us are not even aware of. And if we're aware of it, we don't reach out into it. I want to I thank you. I want to thank you for going into a world. I'm looking at you. Thank you for going into a world that few people will give themselves permission to walk into. Thank you. Because that's a mission field. I know you've got some others that go with you, but you're obviously one of the key leaders with it. Thank you for doing that. It's going to intensify and it's going to grow. It's going to go beyond this. Wow, Lord, I'm just telling stories. I'm not even reading the word. Ellen had a cousin. His name was Michael Eason. I would encourage you to go look and see what he's doing. You can check him out on Facebook. This man was on his own when he was 15 or 16 years old. His father was very, um, I don't know about physically, but very emotionally abusive. This young man was mowing yards to make a living to provide for himself at 15. Never had a family, positive family experience. 
plumber by trade, very broken in so many ways emotionally. God gave him a mandate in Fort Worth, Texas to begin to minister to kids that needed help. I'm going to cut to the chase here real quick on it. In a few short years, God's provided them a van. He provides them school supplies. They feed children every morning by the hundreds, by the hundreds in the low economic areas of the Fort Worth region. And the school systems, there's three, I forget the names of these three school systems, but three school systems have opened their doors to Michael Eason, a retired plumber, to come into their schools every morning before classes start and pray in their hallways. Are you listening to me? And it's not because they took the school to court. And it's not because they demanded their rights. They just walked in the love of Jesus. Administrators saw what they were doing for these kids, touching their lives and reaching out and helping their families and tutoring them after school and seeing their grades come up. Hello, is anybody in the building today? See, see, hunger will propel you to get out of a comfort zone. Hunger will cause you to step over your fear line. Hunger for the things of God and the purpose of God will launch you into a system of His way of doing things that will absolutely stagger your imagination. But you've got to give a yes to it. If you don't give Him a yes, He's limited in how He works through your life. Is anybody thirsty? Jesus shouted it. Is anybody thirsty? Matthew chapter 5, forget which verse. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, for they shall be filled. Seek me, find me. How did it say it? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The word supersede, I'm going to just plug in a couple of definitions real quick. It's time that hunger supersedes hesitation. It's time that hunger causes to be set aside hesitation. One of the things, here, I'm going to say this real quick. One of the things the Spirit of God told me so distinctly, he said, son, I want you to understand, hesitation will always try to work on your life. You'll not eliminate it. Its presence is ever there. It's just you have to supersede it. There's only one thing that can supersede it. It's hunger. Hunger presses you past the fear. Hunger presses you past the comfort. Hungers get you, get you in a place where, dear God, I don't know what to do, but I really sense you want me to be here at this moment, and I'm just going to administrate what I sense you want me to administrate. Let me, let me give you a couple of definitions. It's time that hunger forces out of use as inferior hesitation. Hesitation is the inferior force. Hunger is the greater force. It's time that hunger 
takes the place or the position of hesitation. And one more, it is time that hesitation is displaced in favor of hunger. That's not God's job. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? That's not God's job to supersede your hesitation. That's your job to hunger for Him enough that it supersedes your hesitation. And what is hesitation? It's fear. It's comfort. It's it's being full. It's being too busy. What is your hesitation? It can be a multiplicity. Pride's a huge, huge uh, uh, hindrance and hesitation. Because pride is always saying, what will people think? Doesn't mean we're not accountable to leadership. Doesn't mean we don't submit. Uh Uh-oh, I used a dirty word in church today. I used that S word. Doesn't mean we don't submit one to another. That's protection for the whole. But there, there, there is something in us that says, I don't care what people think. Not from the perspective of me administrating the kingdom. There's a lot of context you got to take here. You got to take these this verbiage in context because I've seen some people get be loose cannons. God doesn't need a loose cannon. He needs to be the one pulling the firing trigger in your mechanism. But if you don't have any powder in there, there's nothing for him to ignite a charge to. That's what hunger does. It creates the powder. The fire, the ability of God to flow through you and minister to somebody things that you don't know and minister to people out of a love that is inexpressible and it is unattainable in any other way than to find God. It's time that hunger supersedes hesitation. So that supernatural portals are opened for harvest to occur. Let me finish this scripture. I didn't get halfway through it, but that's okay. Is anybody thirsty? That is the question. Well, I don't lift my hands, and I don't bow, and I don't dance, and I don't sing, and I don't, I don't do all that stuff. That, that, that's, that's not what he's talking about. Oh, I'm, saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't respond to him. But what you'll find in hunger, you'll find yourself doing things you never dreamed you would do. I never dreamed as a young Methodist boy walking into this Pentecostal church that I'd be doing this. But I found myself doing that after about the second service because I encountered somebody I'd never encountered before in a way that I'd never dreamed I could see, see God. I was saved, but I'd never encountered him like this. I could feel his presence. I don't like to use that word, but I'm going to use it. His presence was more real to me than the pew I was trying to hold on the back of. And all of a sudden, I got the half-mast area. You catch a little wind in that sail, and bam, there's just something different. There's this, somebody came up, stuck a gun in your back, unless you're a kung fu artist, which I don't even recommend this if you are. Stuck a gun in your back, say, Stick them up. I mean, that's an old phrase. I know we, they wouldn't say that nowadays, but stick them up, what would you do? I mean, without hesitation. We wouldn't do this. 
Because he wants to see you're defenseless. Oh, God, I've never thought of it like that before. God wants us to move past our defenses of his presence. God, when I get my hands up like this, I'm defenseless. When, when I'm like this, dear God, I'm vulnerable. My heart's up. I realize you can hold your hands up and be closed off. I understand that. Just stay with the context. That there's something about taking yourself into that place. I'm so thirsty for you. We used to sing a song. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. I need your touch. I seek your face. I need your presence. See, when I'm up here ministering like this, the anointing's flowing, and the anointing is therapeutic. But I'm telling you something I want more than the anointing. I want my Father. I don't know. I don't just want what He can do through me with His power. I want Him. I'm desperate for you. Is that your heart cry? Is anybody thirsty? Is anybody thirsty? Let him come. Let him come. No hesitation, no restriction, no keeping you at bay. Let him come unto me and drink. Let him yield and respond. See, a bunch of y'all came up here earlier getting residue off. You yielded. You came. But you had to do more than just that. You had to engage your belief system that when you came up here, God was going to do something for you. That's responding. Faith is the response to the presence of God. Yield and respond. That should be the mantra for our lives. I yield to you, Father. But I don't just yield to you. I'm not just standing here waiting for you to knock me on the floor or knock me to my knees or give me some fabulous revelation or write on the wall, which the only time I read that in the Bible, it wasn't too cool. <laughs> uh, I'm responding to a Father who loves me. You may say, I can't relate to that because my dad was abusive or my dad was absentee or my dad, I never even knew him or whatever the verbiage might be. But this father is not that father. I can promise you, I've experienced his love. I've experienced his goodness and his kindness. Yes, there's been correction, but his correction was never based out of his anger. His correction was always based out of the foundation of who he is. God is love. Wow. 
Why does Ron and Anna do what they do with a little bunch of snotty-nosed kids in Mexico that have been abandoned by their parents, been thrown out on the street, and are picked up by the government, and the government have the, doesn't even have the capacity to take it. Why, why do they do that? God is love. What would Jesus do? I kind of wonder if Jesus would be standing here in this congregation today holding a microphone preaching or if he'd be down in Mexico with a bunch of little snotty-nosed kids that don't have a mom and daddy circled all around him. So, Papa, that's the Jesus they see every day they see you. Thank you. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Wow. That is cool. That literally is not a well of salvation. There is that. But that well got turned into a river, Eric. And it flows out. It's, it's flood stage stuff. Y'all understand that in this region you're in. Hill country of central Texas is known for when they get four and five inch rains, flash floods. But the thing about this flood, the thing about this river, the thing about this surge of overflow is if we stay in it, it never diminishes. It never goes back down into the creek bed. It just overflows from my life. Is anybody hungry? Begin to allow your hunger to supersede your hesitation. And you'll begin to experience uncommon supernatural harvest. Personally and collectively. I didn't get to a bunch of scriptures I wanted to get to or even some comments I wanted to make. Well, hopefully there will be an invitation. Hopefully there will be an invitation. <laughs> Hopefully there will be an invitation. <laughs> oh, hush. They're messing with me now. Y'all have got an H-E-B. They think that's going to get me to move here. If you're not comfortable with this, just please indulge this old man for a minute. Why don't you take your neighbor's hand? You know, a lot of times, this is a, a message the Lord has mandated for me to preach this year, maybe even beyond this year. I don't know. It's not the first time I've preached it. I didn't even get into reading the prophecies. I read one of them this morning. Ryan Lestrange gave another prophetic word. That's the first sentence of it's all I'll say. He said, I am creating a sweeping hunger over my people in this time. Hunger's coming whether you want it or not. It's just what you'll do with it when it gets here. When it hits your heart, when it hits your life, will you take the lid off and let the hunger consume you? I know this is a weird, I'm just, this is a weird illustration. And I used to watch 
these movies consistently. I don't anymore, but uh, vampire movies. They call it the thirst. It's unquenchable, unquenchable and undeniable. They cannot go too long without drinking blood. That's a vampire. How long have you gone without drinking of the fountain of life? Because if, if you will give yourself permission, the thirst for his presence will propel you into a river like you've never experienced before. Now, Father, I'm just asking you right now, as men and women are connected all over this congregation right now, because this is not just an individual thing. This is a body thing. It's not just for four or five people in the building to be hungry for you. It is for this body to be hungry for you. This body to be thirsty for the living waters of your spirit that flow not just in a church service. God, help us break that pattern. This is our life. And we're not living if we're not in it. And Father, I thank you for helping each and every single one of us, even right now by your Spirit, begin to reveal to us the hindrances. Begin to show us the areas of pride, the areas of fear, the areas of, of whatever it might be, the areas of shame that still might be there in our life. Begin to show us right now, Father, so that we can crucify that stuff. We can kill it for good. Guilt, condemnation, and be freed of it so that the flow is unrestricted. We're not beavers. Oh, God. Sometimes stuff you bring out of my mouth. We're not beavers. We're not building a dam in the creek just so we can get a reservoir. We're wanting the tide of this reservoir, this, this, this creek, to flow so strong and so intense and with such velocity and quantity that it flows out of the banks and begins to consume the forest that is around the, the creek. God, this is a creek bed right here in this house. This is a flowing water in this house. Father, hunger will begin to produce. Thirst will begin to produce an overflow of that creek to where it begins to spread into the forest of this community. And lives are radically altered and changed forever because of the influence of heaven that begins to invade this atmosphere. My master, I know enough of the people in this body. I know enough of the people in this church family. Father, they will refuse to have anything other than this. And it might look silly a little bit to some that come in. And they might not quite understand why people have pressed up into the front and are kneeling on the floor or kneeling at their chair or raising their hands or whatever it might be that they're doing in response to the river that is flowing out of them of the life of your kingdom. But Father, they will not be able to deny the presence of the river of the one who created it. Let your anointing. Yes, sir, that's why I need to pray and then I quit. Let your anointing be infused into every individual in this house today, breaking every single bondage that is restricting them from letting this river flow like that. And it won't be a church thing. It'll be a life thing. 
whether they're exterminating somebody's house. Or they're doing a drug test. Or whether they're in a classroom with kids. Or at Valero Oil. Or the architectural firm. Their lives become a living river of the presence of their king. And as a result, they will never be the same. And the people they encounter will never be the same. hope you're glad that you were here today. There's some li lives that were eternally changed today. That you're now in a lane where you should be, where the Lord called you to be, and you're repositioned to be able to be a reflection of who he is. We thank you, Scott, for uh, ministering for being sensitive to the spirit, even just for the altar call earlier today. That was awesome. The Lord's awesome. And everyone, if you could also, we want to bless Scott and his ministry, so please uh, give via the church website or at the little white box that we have by the door uh, so that we can be able to bless him and allow him to go forth and minister the way the Lord wants to lead and guide him. So I'm going to close in prayer, and we thank you for being here this morning with us. Father, you're so good, Lord, that just the altar call this morning, Father, shows that you're reaching out to us. You're identifying things that we need to get rid of, areas that we need to clean up. A realignment is important. Father, we love you so much, Lord. And I ask you to just go with each one that's here, Father, and bless them, protect them, and keep them in all their ways. And we thank you, Father, that we can meet every week here and just enjoy your presence. But, Father, let your presence be real in everyone here today, Father, that they can experience you anywhere. We love you and we praise you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Yes, just one second, please. Just really quick, it's actually good. Celebrate, right? Joy. I brought 100 Scottish tea cakes back. Some of them might look smushed, but they're just as good as the ones that are. <laughs> so on your way out, and if you don't like chocolate, there's some squashies, some Scottish candy for you to just take a few pieces of. So love you guys. Thank you, guys.